0: the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to um, my second episode on this podcast, the Hunting of Purpose podcast with Holly Marie. I am your co-host Taylor V, um, and you can find me. I hang out at Hello Taylor V on Instagram. Um, I would love to know if you enjoy my episode, so please connect. Um, and I'm so grateful for the listeners who have already reached out because it's so fun to know. You know, when I say something that really resonates, I think. Part of the reason why um, I choose to, to be here and to speak to you in this way is because you know, Holly and I have harmonic profiles. So if you listen to, um, the, I want to say a couple weeks ago, I did a podcast with her and we talked about kind of what was the purpose and what some of the beautiful notes that having a contrasting voice brings to this podcast is my profile lines are 1-3. And if you listen to the Profile Wound Lines uh, episode, um, you will know some of the challenges that I have um, or that I've experienced in this process. And, and as a line one, just wanting to know when I know enough to to not personalize the uncertainty um, and the feeling of instability in some of the things that I do. And as a line three, you know, wanting things to be refined, wanting, wanting to, to show up in a way that feels uh, valuable and intentional, and yet holding that intention with the fact that, you know, I'm a line three. Like, I'm go- we are going to laugh, let's be clear. Like, I'm going to have a great time, and I'm mostly going to know what's going to happen. And there's a good portion of it that I don't uh, have a clue What's going to happen, or what I'm going to do, or what I'm going to say, and that's part of that line three energy. I think um, it has been said that Ross says making money and in business is a lot of that line three energy. It's that that willingness to get in there, show up, and and make it happen um, in the moment. And one of the reasons why I chose to name this podcast prioritize. Um, prioritizing my urge or through it. and on it I'm going to tell you three ways I prioritize my urge. But one of the reasons why I think this is so important is because I want to make some of this line three um, perspective and energy, available to you in a way that's very practical because obviously not everyone has a line three in their profile um, and maybe not a lot of line three energy in their chart but it is essential it is a part of the the six archetypes for a reason and I think that when you understand or when you can see your way of showing up in the world and what it could look like to give yourself more space, to not have all of the answers, to not have it all figured out, to to really support yourself in a way um in a way that creates the feeling of security and the feeling of safety even when all of the the details may not be fleshed out or you don't have everything you you think you need to have you know how can we go out as manifestors and and initiate our urges and inform others about our urges when we're having this kind of internal grappling so that is kind of the the landscape, if you will, that I see. I, this is kind of what I see happening out in the spaces that I'm in. And I want to kind of make some of that line three, it's going to be all right, y'all. We're going to make it. Energy available to you by giving you some really practical perspective shifts. And the first one is just in the title itself, you know, as manifestors and, and you know, as I'm talking now, I'm kind of thinking like, this is true for any of the types. Whenever you're trying to execute something that was once a concept, even if it's a response to someone else's dilemma or initiation or statement, like even if you're creating in response to an invitation, you still start with something energetic, intangible. And the goal is to create a tangible experience a reality out of it and that is true for business that is true in relationships if you think about you know two people having this emotional experience with each other and then they say you know i think we want to create a more um we want to create a legally recognized union right like they want to take a intangible experience that they're having and translate that into a a practical experience that they can leverage in the world and I think when we step back and say that really is the point of initiation is to take what we can't see what we can't necessarily capture in language and we want to birth it so that others can interact with it, experience it, be impacted by it when we know that it's not creating the urge from the perspective of it's not real until they can see it. No, it was, it is real now. Even if no one else sees it, it is real. It is a valid experience of mine and I am owning and taking responsibility for producing it so that others have access to it. I think that is step one because every urge that we have could just remain in our internal experience, right? But there's a reason why we take it a step further and want to act it out, or in other words, we want to manifest it into something that others can interact with, benefit from, or be... You know, change our experience of other people because of this urge. So business would be an example of that. You you could just want to help people just because you want to help people, and maybe you have an urge to create a, you know, um, kind of a library of resources for people. Well, that's great, but as soon as you want other people to benefit from that library, now it it can't just be a library in your mind anymore it has to be, there has to be a clear way for people to interact with it, for them to get the benefit of it. I think I am speaking rather, something that is like offensively simple, but I am belaboring it because this is part of the ways that we often don't prioritize our urge. We have a very clear concept in our internal space and we can see how it would benefit someone else, But the process of taking something that is very real to me and being so committed to it being real to someone else is often a piece that we don't own. Like we don't owe anyone our real experience. We do that because of an act of our own sovereignty. I choose to make the way that I think accessible to you all, the listeners, in the format of a podcast. I don't owe a podcast. I don't have an intellectual um, experience so that I can tell other people. And I think sometimes we unknowingly, just as people can can make the assumption that we exist for the benefit of someone else. So like that is the priority. It's not that I am, I want to be clear, I am not saying that we all exist for ourselves. I am saying that you also don't solely exist to the benefit of other people. Everything that comes up in you and and feels good to you and and feels wonderful and beneficial and deep and rich is not automatically something that you must package and give away. It can be more than an idea. It can be an urge that is for you. And it's important to say that, you know, that distinctly because there is a cost to choosing to take that urge and produce it for someone else. And when it wasn't first your choice to produce it, then it makes paying the cost of production very challenging. So I'm just going to give you the three ways I choose to prioritize my urges, and then I'll kind of go back and explain this piece. So the three ways I prioritize my urge, and this is important to do because when you don't prioritize something, then it often can mean it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen in the way that you intended or it loses the essence of what you were attempting to create. And that is something that is a very um, line (laughs) line three drama that we can go through. I think we often encourage people to trial and error, right? Like get out there and just give it a try, just see how it turns out but if i don't equip you first with prioritizing the urge prioritizing the outcome that you intend to create out in the world then you can use some of the results to invalidate the experience and that it just doesn't work it 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 turns the judgment inward which is one of the wounds that a line 3 experience um, experience can experience often is this feeling of because other people didn't get it or didn't agree with me around what was the intended outcome that what I did wasn't good enough wasn't worthy wasn't wasn't sufficient and I think that 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 can happen in general just as a line three but it happens more often when we do not consciously define the success the win or the intended outcome on the front end, so that I can handle when people have criticisms about aspects of it that they would have wanted to be the intended outcome. I don't apologize for that. I can actually validate, yep, that wasn't what I was trying to create here. And so I can understand why you would look at it and want something else. It has nothing to do with my urge. My manifestation has everything to do with. We didn't have an aligned intention from the beginning, and I can honor that. I can inform better because I'm clear about my intention behind it. Okay, so the foundation. Three ways I prioritize my urge. One, I count the cost. I've been speaking to it now, but I'll, I'll speak more about it in a minute. Two, I create a supportive environment or a correct environment. And then three, I curate by my cognition. So let's start with the first one. I count the cost because... As, we, as I started this podcast episode, I told you that the urge or the desire to enact you know, an initiation that I've received, to manifest it, to take it from the conceptual and make it something practical or tangible that others can experience is, is a two-part process. It's first me acknowledging that I have something that I wanna create And the second decision is to choose to produce it in such a way that others can interact and benefit with it. And The cost often we think about is what it will cost me to really honor that I wanna do something. And and that is a valid part of the cost process, but I think it's a part we're probably more conscious with. Take for example, you have a concept for a new offer. You can often think about maybe it's a course, right, that you wanna you wanna create and sell. We can often think about all of the knowledge that we'll need to gain and capture, package, write up, record, whatever, whatever format you choose to do that in. you can think about how much time it's gonna take you and how stressful you might be, and da 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 da. You'll think about the cost to you personally, right? It, the internal um, cost. You'll have to get over your insecurity or you'll have to work through those limiting beliefs. I believe this community that I'm speaking to tends to be a little more self-aware in that way and so we're very conscious when we feel like angry manifestors or frustrated generators or disappointed reflectors like we, we can be kind of more aware of that. But what I don't think we often say is on the other side of that coin is the experience or the cost it will be to my audience or the cost it will, the cost I choose to take responsibility for creating for my audience. For example, if you choose to sell that course, you don't just create it for you to experience, for you to have a library of your own knowledge, but then you choose to make that available to someone else, there is a cost in that dynamic as well. So, are you going to make sure? sure it's in a way that they understand, not just a way that you understand. Are you open to feedback about their level of understanding after after interacting with it? Are you clear that it could change the dynamic of the conversation if you haven't been someone who was selling to this group of people before, that there will need to be a a cost relationally, there'll be a change there in the nature of your conversation once you introduce something that you want them to invest time, energy, and money in, that that will change the conversation. There will be a cost on both of your ends that has nothing to do with you putting information into a library and calling it a course. It's completely separate. And when we intermingle that, it's very hard for us to take responsibility, one, for the magnitude of the work that we did, it's hard for us to honor and, and find peace in our urges because we're looking at the difficulty it may be for our clients to understand the value versus the cost that it is to them while our focus is is on the cost it has been to us to get it out. And we want to be compensated for the cost to mine our all of our intellectual, you know, intellect, intellect and ideas into a course that is our experience that we do, and the reward is knowing that we honored our experience, and that the amount of content in a program doesn't automatically translate to high value for the client or the audience or the customer or whatever. Those are it was a two part production process, and the cost. There are different um, cost in that process, so I realize what I'm I'm saying could be a conversation all on its own. But I really wanted to start here because even if you don't necessarily, um, even if what I'm saying in this process isn't necessarily like, so what do I do next? It doesn't feel actionable to you. That's okay. Just an increased a. Aw- just an increased awareness that there will be a cost to you personally in prioritizing your urge and then any urge that you desire that others would interact with, there will be a cost there. I will give you one um, practical example that I've seen um, or another practical example is often in the content creation process we for marketing our businesses or marketing our offers it can be very challenging sometimes for people to once we learn that we're manifestors or that we're non-sacral beings it's very easy to then think so it should be easy for others to respond to me to respond to my initiation and when i hear that kind of talk like i did my part why aren't they changing why aren't they acting in a way that's in alignment what i hear is you didn't count the cost on the front end. Whenever I'm angry at my audience for not really getting it and taking action, it's because somewhere in the beginning, I am either uncomfortable with the cost that it is to me to continue to produce this urge or to produce an experience where people can interact with this urge, or I didn't consider what it would cost me personally to stay in this or or whatever the case may be. So hopefully that helps. If you have questions, again, I'm on Instagram at hello Taylor V. Um, the second thing that I will say is create a supportive or correct environment. Now, this came from a dive into the variables, um, and I highly recommend that. I know that variables are considered an advanced topic uh, within human design. I have, uh, this is a good disclaimer, I have never been someone who buys into the idea of advanced topics from the perspective of you can't learn the next thing until you have mastered the first thing and maybe that's one three energy maybe that's manifester energy maybe it's d all of the above i don't know but i just think that the idea of advanced grade levels this is when you get to do this this is how you get to do that those are all suggestions based on you know sequences that many have observed and i also believe in miracles and i also believe in quantum leaps. And I also believe in what's for me is for me now at the level of awareness that I have. So if this resonates with you, I would encourage you to explore your variables and know that if you are new to human design, there is a there is for sure foundational things that will cause your understanding of variables to lack some context. And that doesn't mean that there's nothing of value to gain, but I wouldn't take the value and assume that you completely understand them. If you can own that, carry on with the episode where I'm about to tell you about your environment. So there is an environment variable. That's the four arrows, if you were to look at your body graph chart. And the bottom left arrow is what they call the environment. And the idea is that a supportive and correct environment It is an independent design variable, meaning it is on the unconscious side of the body graph. It's on the part of your, um, it's a part, as Raw calls it, the vehicle. It's the side of you that you are unaware of that when it is in a supportive space, it functions optimally, which allows you to consume or. Process information in a way that is correct for you. You function better when you are in a supportive environment. So an example of that would be when you are in a supportive relationship, it's easier to have self-confidence. Does that mean you cannot have self-confidence in a difficult relationship? No, of confidence is not limited or determined by the relationship that you're in with other people. Other people don't determine if you get to feel self-confident. However... Supportive relationships where people show up self confident, where people advocate for you to fully own who you are, is a is an environment that makes self confidence almost a given. It's not guaranteed, but is optimal for producing self confidence. And you can have self confidence in any environment. That that's the idea behind a, a the environment variable. So how it relates to our urges is, oftentimes, we let's say we counted the cost, let's say we know what we want to do, and we've even owned that we want other people to have access to it and to be able to be impacted by it. Well, if we don't go down to the variable where it has to do with environment, then producing the urge may be challenging because we're trying to produce some of our higher, higher level of awareness manifestations right like let's say we're getting something from a download that we had in the middle of the night well that wasn't us acting in our conditioning right like we're trying to produce something from from who we believe we are and But in the action of it, we are not creating an environment that is supportive of who we really are, not the shadows and conditioning that show up. So I find this arrow very useful to say, what internal environment am I creating? What external environment am I creating? Am I looking at, am I the kind of person who really needs to be in it, in the center of it, and I need to be observed? If you're left-facing, you want to be observed. You tend to to benefit from social environments why because when you're in the right supportive environment then you naturally um naturally, it's easier for your brain and your mind and your body to process all that's coming at you. What I notice for myself is that when I allow myself to be social around the things that I'm creating, there is a natural conversation that comes out of me. I naturally start informing people about what I'm doing. And that is because I'm in an environment that is allowing me to be seen for who i am and people are watching and they they recognize me and it's great and i don't have to try to inform i don't have to try to make something happen it it happens i i look around and i i kind of observe myself telling someone else about my newest program offer obsession and i wasn't even trying to do all that i was just hanging out and having a great conversation and now somebody's ready to buy for me how did all of that happen street seamlessly well, because I would I put myself in the spaces where that naturally happens, where being who I am, a manifester who initiates conversations and who initiates new directions and catalyzes people. When I start catalyzing them, they start asking the questions that pull on my passive brain, my genius comes out and I find myself trying to take all the possibilities I see and wrap them up into, you know, an easy to articulate way and ah, by, by George the way that was easiest to articulate is to tell you well this is what I teach in my program offer obsession how to create offers driven by your obsession that create obsession for other people that's the benefit of knowing what environment for you is supportive and how can you leverage that I want to give you an example of this as well um, that I was talking with a student about who's in our current round of manifester mastery certification. She was talking about social media and how it had become something that was really challenging for her and that she had gotten a lot of, um, followers initially just by sharing the process of building out this offer that she had this urge that, that she and her partner were following. And, um, uh, you know, it was great for a minute, and now it see, it it doesn't feel great anymore, and it was creating kind of all of these negative emotions, if you will. And I went to her environment variable, and I applied that to the context of social media, and said, you know, you're actually a right facing variable. You are an observer. There is a level of isolation that is supportive for you, and so I can see why in. The social media space, if you're thinking about it as your offer has to be the center of attention and you have to be at the center of that and you have to be looked at and try to figure out how you're going to talk about yourself in a way that makes people want to buy for you, for you, from you that that would not be the optimal environment for you to experience flow in your creative process. It could be really, I can see why it feels almost forced and effortful. And that was one of her comments is like, I thought as a manifestor that I would be able to harness who I am, not manhandle it or handle it, you know, Um, I don't wanna say manhandle, not mishandle it, so that I can follow these other typical marketing strategies? Like how do I do this in a way that feels aligned for my energy type, for the way that I made? And I think that is where this variable is very valuable to you because by her moving her, instead of standing in the offer, trying to talk about it on social media, trying to inform everyone about it on social media, energetically from a picture perspective I invited her or initiated her depending on how you like that language to to come stand on the outskirts as an observer and use her social media to tell people what she sees not necessarily try to tell them about why they should act or what they should do or da, 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 like not trying to get people to look at her but to get to in, initiate people into seeing what she sees as an observer. And by doing that, I haven't circled back around with her, so this is not to say that this is a transformational story. What I'll say is that in the call, you could see her presence change. There was a lightness about it that that took her from not wanting to engage social media to having ideas for ways that she could engage social social media following she sent me an email very grateful for being able to apply it and then when i look at her social media i can see her narrating um what she sees and it seems to be something that um it seems to be something that she's enjoying now i don't know she's gained some followers since we last talked so Maybe she'll circle back at some point and let me know how it's going. But it looks good (laughs) from my perspective. Anyways, I invite you to look at your environment variable because it is a way that you can prioritize your urge. You can be looking at what how can i create an internal and external experience that is supportive of me producing the urge that helps me manage the cost cuz remember we just counted what it could cost us we we have an idea of the time it might take my audience to re- to respond and to really feel safe to take action i have an idea of you know the type of time and energy and effort it, and money maybe even it could take me to produce this thing i'm willing to own that and now i know how to create a space where putting those investments and requesting those investments for my audience feels supportive where it is a natural byproduct of the way that I act. Great. Those are the first two things, first two ways I prioritize myers. The last one is I curate by cognition. So again, this is a slightly more advanced um, part of human, de- your human design chart, but your cognition has a lot to do with really how are you processing? How are, what is the, the language of what clues you in to what you're taking in what is the what is the language what is the the your flavor of oh i'm trying to think of a good way to say this what is the dialect what is your accent like when you are taking in information about your urges and about other people what what is the if we think about accent in terms of like people being from different regions and how they speak, even if they're all speaking English, someone someone um, from the UK would sound different and have a different um, accent, they have a different vocabulary that they use to describe the same thing. And yet we're all speaking English. So if we're all taking in information about our space, about what we're creating, and we're all attempting to process like this intangible thing and it's, and it's coming out of us and we want to produce it out in the world. There's a way that, that is easiest for us to communicate that. In human design, there are, um, Six cognitions, if you will, and taste, feeling, smell, uh, outer vision, inner vision, whatever. Those are some of the cognitions. Go look and find out what your cognition is, because it's the it's the dialect or the accent that you use. It clues you into some of the vocabulary that you tend to use. That clues you in to if what you're creating is really what you intended. So. I say, curate your ur- the production of your urge. Curate your your um, your curate your process by your cognition minus feeling, which means for me that I may not have all of the details of what I'm creating, but I have a pretty clear feeling. I've got a sense about what's off what's what's the frequency that we're operating at here when i invite you into my program offer obsession what what do i want the feeling to be like what what's the vibe around here is this super serious is this super laid back do we have timelines is this focused how do i get this little this little feeling in there too. I want you to feel confident, but I want you to feel open. I want you to feel... Um held but I also I want to create room for you to feel to cultivate the feeling of obsession the frequency of obsession I know what that feels like it's like this grounded excitement it's the ying and the yang it's the sweet and the salty it's chocolate chip cookies with salt on top like that's the that's the feeling cognition that I have around this urge or offer that I'm producing um, and once I know that, then as I'm going through the process of producing it, and I know that I'm in a supportive environment, and I know that I'm willing to put the social media out, and I know I'm willing to do the things, the expensive things that are expensive to my time and expensive to my energy and expensive to some of my relationships to get it out there, so that other people can other people can experience offer obsession. When I know that, then when I am experiencing a feeling in that process that doesn't match the frequency that I'm in that doesn't match the vibe that I'm in it's a clue that mm, am I on the same trajectory am I am I creating traction at the expense of my intention Am I creating momentum at the expense of the intended outcome that I have? I know that it's not just, I'm not just creating a program to create a program. I'm creating offer obsession. And that feels like warm chocolate chip cookies with a little bit of salt on top. So when I have people apply, how do I want people to onboard in a way that still feels like they're at my kitchen table waiting for their chocolate chip cookies with the salt on top? I curate my process in there by the feeling that I have. Now, I am a feeling, I have a feeling cognition, so this makes sense to me. This may not be, I may not be speaking with an accent around this that resonates for you. You may have a completely different cognition and therefore you would say this all very differently. But I hope that from this my intention is that you will realize in my speaking that there is a cognition that you speak with and that you will honor it enough to go research it and find it out are you a smell cognition are you someone who's sniffing things out and you just kind of give things the sniff test like that'll work like in your inhaling when you kind of breathe it in a little bit you're like oh that that smells good that that'll work i can trust that this is good enough are you somebody within with a inner vision cognition and so you're kind of like feeling it out and you're but not feeling like I'm talking about it's not like a vibe in the room kind of thing It's not like a vibe other people feel kind of thing. It's like an inner vision, like there's an internal space that I hold for this. And the goal is not to contaminate that sacred space I have with this thing. And so is this decision, is this process, is this way going to contaminate what I'm seeing on the inside of me that's being birthed out of this you know are you an outer vision you know what you want it to look like you know the you know what you're looking for and is there anything out of place here is there something that doesn't quite fit you know maybe you have a taste cognition and you you know your style it's not that that's not a good idea or that's not a good option or this isn't a good day it's just not mm, that's not what I was going for it's not my taste. That's not how I would say that. That's not how I would do that. You know, curate your ur- the way that you go about your urge, like the production of your urge. Curate that by your cognition. It's your clue. It alerts you to when you might be askew from your intention. This is how you embrace some of that line three. I'm in it. I'm I'm loving it. I'm wholly worthy. It's going to be great, and I have no clue what I'm doing. This is how you do both and and all of that. All right? I have talked longer than I originally intended. I kind of like the idea of keeping these really short for you, but this was super practical. Um, There are a couple of things that Holly and myself are launching throughout the next couple months. Some of them are collaborations together. Some of them are complementary. Um... And this episode is really important for you to be able to not just use your strategy and authority to create traction in your life, right? Like you have a strategy to keep moving. You have your authority to help you make decisions. But what's the... after you know what you're gonna do you've informed what you want and you've ridden your authority or you've used your authority to decide yep this is this is the thing that we're focusing on this is where I'm giving myself to in this time this is what I've been invited and in. I'm saying yes to this is the thing I'm responding to I've waited a lunar cycle I've I've, um, I've been initiated and now I'm ready to inform. Okay, you've done all of that and now we're ready to get going. We're ready to to execute, to embody the thing that we've created. I need you to prioritize it and this is how. Count the cost, count the cost. Be really clear about what it will be, what you're asking of others in this process. Be clear about what you'll be requiring of yourself. Given the intention that you have, with a clear intention about the outcome, what will it cost you to make sure that we don't miss the point? Create an environment that makes prioritizing, that makes valuing that point, that intention easy, obvious, effortless, offensively simple. Create an environment that works where it is a natural thing for you to see that, in, um, that intention come into play. And then lastly, curate by your cognition. Use the, what the dialect, use the vocabulary, listen for the vocabulary and the dialect, the accent that you move throughout the earth to kind of continue to make adjustments along the way in service to the in intended outcome. This is good work, y'all. This is so good. This is how we create lives that we not only love, but that are in alignment with our purpose. This is how you look up at the end and you say, that incarnation cross, I can totally see it. I've been doing that. I do that. This is how, this is the what the doing looks like. It looks like this, prioritizing your urge. I know this was helpful for someone and I'm honored to be able to offer it to you. I want you to prepare your minds and hearts over the next couple weeks that I am going to continue to be talking about not just the things that I'm doing personally, I've told you a lot already in terms of about offer obsession. I am launching my own program called Offer Obsession, which really is about taking people who have a clear um, desire even to, to create impact and empowering them with the the thinking the understanding not just of business but of themselves to do that work from a place of love which i like to call from a place of obsession because if you look at the successful their secret sauce is that they're obsessed they're obsessed with it they have a they have a focus and an attachment to the intention not to the outcome that can't they can't just be easily talked out of They've just seen too much. They're just too in it to be deterred by something like no one's showing up or the post not getting engagements. Like it doesn't even matter. Do you understand what we're talking about here? That's obsession. That's what I want to support um, the participants in creating there. That's what I will be doing. Um, but also – Aside from what I'm doing, Holly is doing amazing things. If you haven't heard about the Launch Flow service, I have made it my business to make sure, no matter how long I went on this episode, to tell you that many of you, I know for sure because I've been been there, in the you you hmm, not gonna say it, you are the kind of person who evaluates the cost in terms of some of your urges, and maybe the other ways are gonna be feel more relevant to you and i want to just say that sometimes counting the cost is saying that this urge matters so much there are things i'm not going to give my time to and when you get to that place i would i would encourage you to really honor it because it is not sometimes people can say well if you can do it yourself why don't you just do it yourself if you can create your own post if you can create your own program project plan. Why don't you just do it yourself? Sometimes, not every time, but for some urges, there is a priority you place on being able to deliver it. Not just it, but prioritizing who you are in that process, the space that you want to remain in. And something like LaunchFlow, the service, allows you to do that. And given the fact that the deliverable happens in a 30-day time span, very few of us can get a, a large initiation out so that we can inform, so that we can respond to other people, so that we can invite people in, so that we can wait to be invited. Very few of us can have that kind of turnaround time for the amount of content that's required. For people to really have space to interact, particularly if you're a non-sacral being, very few of us have that kind of capacity. Particularly if we have relationships, like as mothers or fathers, or where we have full-time jobs. Like when we have, when we start mixing in life, it can be very hard to um, f- prioritize that cost that that cost of time and energy to want to do that. Um, Because of what it could compromise for the experience for the people that we love and value and for ourselves. So I hope that you will really consider a launch flow service from that perspective. If you already know what you're creating out in the world, maybe you've already launched once, maybe you haven't launched once, but formally launched before but you've sold this thing a few times and you're really clear about what you're creating out in the world and you're ready to do it from a place of value for your energy and the person that you want to show up as in the next iteration of it the way that that happens is by owning who you want to be and owning also what you don't want to do and that to me is where launch flow service is invaluable. And so I just encourage you, if you, if this if this part of this podcast speaks to you, please um, use the link in my, um, you can use the link in this episode to, um, to sign up for that and apply because it, there's a couple of spots per month and then um, they, the doors close and I just don't want you to miss out on it. Like that's such a gift to give yourself. Um, given that intention, if your intention is around who you'd like to be available as. Um, and then I think those are the two main things. So Offer Obsession, my program, uh, Holly Service Launch launch Flow, those are two things I really want you to know about. And then the last thing is we are launching um, a new round of MMC. And this is like a really informal prep, but it's an informal information that there is an opportunity for you to spend time investing in who you are, not just in what you want to do, but the nuances of of your person. A lot of the opportunities that I've gotten as a as a manifester have not been from the steps that I've taken like other people. My steps often don't look like other people's steps, but who I've been has has been so impactful because I often Take the time to learn about me. Some of that is that 1-3 energy, just like I know me. I don't know about y'all, but I know about me kind of thing. But it's also from intentionally being in containers that reflect me back to me so that I can make decisions like, yeah, that's me, or no, that's not me. That's our responsibility on an individual level to learn how to articulate who we are so that we can self-advocate. Manifestor mastery is that program for that it's that program for that for that person who wants to be able to advocate for themselves in a new way. And that's different than many other human design programs who want to teach you human design void of who you are. It's more so about your mastery of a collection of information. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not the sole benefit of what manifester mastery does. And I think This program really has has been that gift to me. It's allowed me to see myself, and I know that many of us, as the paradigm continues to shift and we start valuing individual contributors and the skill sets and nuance they bring to conversations as that continues to happen, in order for you to feel powerful in that kind of dynamic, it, it means that you want to have invested in who you are, not to change it, but to see it, to really see all that's magnificent about you. And this program is excellent for that. All right, my friends, I have manifested on for a while now. I think we should let it ride. Till next time. Bye, friends.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life.